It is good to be with you this morning. Let's pray together before we get started, and uh, we'll do some more worship together. Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here, for the opportunity to sing songs, and Lord, the, just the, the small things in life like kids singing and, and doing the motions, and Lord, they don't even have to sing. They can just stand up there and smile, and it brings an incredible amount of joy into our life even in the moment. And Lord, we just thank you for things like that. And Father, we just we pray for those children as they're walking back to uh, their building. God, we ask that you would watch over them and you would raise them up in your ways. And God, that you would care for them and guide them in ways that we just cannot as parents and church. And Lord, we ask that you would be with us today. Speak into our hearts and lives. And God, we just ask that you would touch us And reveal to us new truths, even as we read your scripture, passages that we've read a hundred times, God, that you would reveal new things to us today as we come together and submit ourselves to you. We lift our brothers and sisters up this morning. Lord, I know there are many that are still physically ill. Um, Some are dealing with emotional things. Some are dealing with uh, situations and circumstances in life that just get us down. And so, God, we ask that you would be with all of us today in our own way that we need it. Lord, we love you, and we just want to give you this time, and we want to be able to claim to have the joy that only comes from you, despite all things around us. We love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jesus first, others second, and that obviously puts yourself last. And that's our topic for today, and that's great. You'd say, duh, that makes sense. If Jesus is first and others come before you, then basically you're left last. And at the same time, that's much easier said than done. And it sounds way worse. Like when you say Jesus first and others second, that sounds good. And even that in its own way is very um, uplifting. And it's something that we can be drawn to that because we as people know that there's good in giving ourselves to others and giving ourselves to something greater than ourselves. But when you start saying, like when you actually say, I'm going to put myself last, that typically strikes a nerve that most of us are not okay with. And if you think about your life and, and your relationships and your job and, and everything that you do in life, just to Sit down and consciously make the decision every day to put yourself last is one of the most impossible things that we will do as human beings. And at the same time, it is one of the most beneficial things for us to do because it's what God calls us to do. Um, You know, we, we talked about all this stuff. And just in the short time that I've been a pastor... You know, I can just see, and I've talked with married couples, and you do counseling and premarital counseling, and you just, you talk in these situations with people, and when someone in a relationship, you know, you think about it, you pledge yourself to one another. Like, you make that lifelong commitment, I'm going to love you, I'm going to forsake every, all else, I'm going to forsake everyone else, and you're going to be the number one person in my life, and I'm going to love you. And at the same time, in those relationships, and many of you know this, like, once someone in that relationship breaks that, that commitment to put the other first, and then they become selfish in the moment, one decision, it starts a cycle, Right? Because it says, well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. 
And the act of selfishness, like we can want to put Jesus first and we can want to put others second and we can say, oh, I'm going to put myself last. But if we ever lose sight of that in any given moment, it creates this cycle, this unbearable cycle that brings us to the point of our selfishness causes other people to be selfish. It causes other people to cling to it. The very decision that we make has a drastic impact on the people around us in this realm. And a lot of that will affect you, whether you realize it or not. To, to choose yourself in a moment may give you temporary happiness or this, this joy in this moment that you got what you wanted, but you know if you choose yourself and you go against God's will, then it's going to cost you something later on. It's going to damage the relationship. It's going to damage the circumstances. And I was, I was listening to someone talk about how basically it does not matter what you do in this life. You'll never get away with anything. You may not realize it, but you'll pay for it in some other way. And when you think about our relationship with God and what God calls us to, to put Jesus first and others second and yourself last is not just something that he asks us to do because he wants to make us miserable or something that he asks us to do just to see if we're crazy enough to do it. Because if you're sitting here this morning, and I told you guys last week, last week's sermon and today's sermon is absolutely meaningless to you if Jesus is not first. If you don't put Jesus first, there's no reason to put yourself last. There's, there's no other reason on earth to put yourself last if Jesus is not first. And so for you to consciously make that decision, say, okay, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to have true, lasting, eternal joy in my life. Then there has to be a conscious decision on our part as followers of Jesus Christ to sacrifice ourselves in the name of Jesus. You looking at me this morning? This is not a matter of you sacrificing yourself for something that you can get in return. If you're sacrificing yourself for something that you can get in return, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be resentful because no one else is ever going to return it the way that you think it ought to be returned. No one else is ever going to pay you back as much as you think you ought to be paid back. This has to be a decision that you make because you know in your heart that God has called you to be a sacrifice for Him. That there's a calling on our life as believers in Jesus Christ to give up ourselves in the name of Jesus. And because of that, we put Jesus first. Because of that, we put others first. And because of that, we allow ourselves to be last. And we're okay with it. We talked in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 6 this past week, and, and Paul was chastising the church because they were suing one another in public courts. He said, why can't you just allow yourself to be taken advantage of? Why can't you just take the loss? Why can't, why can't you just allow yourself to be cheated? Because that's exactly what God calls us to do. And for someone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ, that doesn't make sense. Anybody ever been taught to stand up for yourself? Stand up for yourself. Don't be afraid to fight. Don't let people take advantage of you. And yet the teachings of Jesus Christ is very different from what we get taught in culture and even in our own families and things like that. And so I just want to read to you this passage this morning. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. One verse. 
And Paul calls the church in Rome. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If you want to worship God and you want to live for him and you want to be able to lay your head down at nighttime and go to sleep with a clear conscience, knowing that you are in good standing with him, we have to live our lives as living sacrifices for him. So point number one this morning, you're called to give your, we're called to give ourselves away. That's a calling that's placed on our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more loving than to give ourselves away for someone. And, and if you're sitting in this room right now, there are people in your life that you know that at any given moment in time, you could not depend on them for certain things. People that you love, people that are family, people that are good friends, and you know, like, if you needed this, there's a chance you might not get it from them. And yet you still love them and you still care about them. And then there's probably, hopefully, one person in your life that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they love you so much they would do anything if you called them and said, I need this, and they would say, it's yours. You know somebody like that? They're very rare, aren't they? And one of the greatest signs of love that we experience as people are the people who are willing to literally give it all away for us. To know that there's someone out there who's willing to die to lay their life down for you is one of the greatest expressions of love that you can experience. And there's not a whole lot of people in your life that's willing to do that for you. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, it's what we're called to do for everyone so that we show the world who Jesus is and the love that he offers to everyone. And that's really hard to do. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to do that. But we're called to give ourselves away. And putting our wants and desires and our hopes and our dreams last, that's painful. When God speaks into our hearts and we give our lives to him and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and, and to change us and give us eternal life, then it starts this whole conundrum of how much of our lives are we actually willing to give to God to allow him to use us and do all these things. Because you know this, you always choose what you love the most, don't you? We do. We always choose what we love the most. I was having a conversation with one of Hannah's cousins last night at, the, um, at a Christmas party. And he was talking about one of his sons is like nationally ranked in wrestling. He's an incredible wrestler. And he travels around all over the place and he's wrestling and doing all this stuff. And he's very naturally talented. And he said he's just at this point where he's in eighth grade and he's at this point where natural talent has gotten him ranked 47th in the nation, which is really cool, right? 47th in the nation. But if any of you have any experience with athletics, you know natural talent gets you so far and then the people who are coming up behind you, there are people who are willing to literally sell their life, their soul in order to be the best at something, to work out, to diet, to live their life, to wrestle all the tournaments that they can get in, to practice every single day, and literally spend their life devoted to this thing in order to be better than the naturally talented person. 
as people, we choose what we love, right? And you could be the most naturally talented person at something, but if you don't love it, you're not going to spend the time on it, you're not going to choose it, and eventually you'll be surpassed by somebody else who loves it more than you. Same thing in relationships. Same thing with we choose what we love. It's a very obvious thing. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, the author writes, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Like the whole example of, of love talked about in the New Testament continuously refers back to Jesus being willing to die for us even while we were still sinners and did not acknowledge him as Savior. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And it's one thing to say Jesus first and others second, but whenever you sit down and you actually start thinking about, okay, the calling on our life to literally give ourselves away, to give up ourselves for our brothers and sisters, to sacrifice ourselves, to let ourselves be taken advantage of in the name of Jesus for people around us who aren't going to appreciate it and who are never going to pay it back. Are you okay with that? And you can't do it because of what you can get because most likely you're not going to get anything back. You do it because it's the calling that Jesus Christ has placed on your life. You think about it, the whole reason we celebrate Christmas and we do the kids singing and light the candles and the tree and all that stuff is because of the simple fact that Jesus Christ came to give himself away for a world that most people would never acknowledge what he did for them. That's what we celebrate every year at Christmas. The fact that he gave himself for a world that most people would never acknowledge what he did and believe in him. But we're called to follow the example of Christ. Point number two, we will never be acceptable without sacrifice. And you can call on the name of Jesus and you can claim to have faith in him all day long. But if you really sit down and you read the New Testament and you look at the author's the writers in the New Testament knew very early on, and there's a lot of writings in the epistles that, that address this issue of people claiming to have faith in Jesus, and yet their lives did not match up to what they were saying that they believed. And we can claim it, and we can, we can say that, but if our lives don't match that, then there's a problem. And the problem was in the early church. It's not just something that we struggle with in our culture today. This has been going on since the very beginning. A lot of people want to claim faith in Jesus Christ, and a lot of people don't want to live like Jesus Christ. They want, they want it easy. They want it given to them right now. And as believers, we need to know that we're not going to be acceptable to Christ without the sacrificing of ourselves. And you say, all right, James, like you're being a little tough here. Like, you're being a little stringent. Like, the, you know, the Bible says faith. Like, you claim faith in Jesus Christ, and, and I, I promote that 100% that, yes, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you have to make a decision in your life that you step out on faith and accept Him as Lord and Savior, that you believe in Him, and that you engage in this relationship with Him in faith to know that what He calls you to do is the right thing to do. That it's not only beneficial for you in this life, but it's beneficial for you for eternity. But when you claim faith in Jesus Christ and He cleanses you of your sin, you need to understand that you are on a lifelong calling to devote yourself to your Savior. The fact that He paid a price for you and He did it before you ever acknowledged Him. 
But once you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, there's a calling on your life to follow him and to live for him. And you look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, the words of Jesus. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Passages of scripture that we've read thousands of times that may seem redundant in so many ways. But we have to understand that when you even talk about Jesus, Jesus didn't say, if you pray this prayer, you can go to heaven with me. He said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to come after me, you got to take up your cross, give up your own way and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And when you talk about giving yourself away... And literally being a sacrifice, the price is our soul. And we miss that. We miss that because we make faith so cheap. And we like to limit faith of just something that we say and not just what we say, but also what we do. It has to be what we say and what we do. It has to be who we are. It has to be how we live. It has to be our life every single day. To understand that as believers, we give up our life and we make a decision to follow Christ and to build His kingdom. We, we, we stop building our kingdom and we begin to build God's kingdom. And to understand that you can't do both. You can't build God's kingdom and your kingdom. Your kingdom directly conflicts the kingdom of God, whether you realize it or not. You could have a great kingdom... And it may not be filled or riddled with sin, but you do need to understand that our personal kingdoms, our lives, our hopes, our dreams that we try to build ourselves, they conflict with the will of God. And there has to be an understanding that we come to that we decide that we're going to build God's kingdom. It takes sacrifice for us to do that. We have to sacrifice ourselves to build God's kingdom. People get so frustrated about not being able to witness and see people get saved, well, it takes sacrifice for that to happen. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes a lot of giving away of yourself to see other people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this morning, don't get overwhelmed with that understanding. If this is new to you, you're like, okay, well, I thought I was saved, or, you know, or like, you know, now you got me worried because I'm not... Look, understand... Like, if you call on the name of Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you your sins, you will be saved. But you need to understand also that when you get saved, there's a calling on your life to follow Jesus, to live for him. And it's not something that he expects you to just master it overnight and that you do this immediately once you call on his name. It's a lifelong journey. God is still working in my life in so many ways and like revealing to me things that I do wrong, things that I've known that I've been doing wrong for so many years. He's still working with me in those things, like helping purge a lot of those things from my life. And, and, and there are things that I realize today that I never thought was wrong years ago. And he says, okay, you need to do this now. 
And if you're 90 years old and you've been saved for 50 or 60 years, you still should be growing. There still should be a, a lifelong calling to follow Jesus Christ and allow him to work and move in you. And you're not done. There's still people to be saved. There's a lot of lost people out there. And point number three is living in this order brings about transformation. If you put Jesus first, if you put others second, and you consciously make sure that yourself is last, and I'm not throwing rocks this morning, like this is one of those things. I tell you, a lot of times when I preach, these are things that, that I'm still working through myself. And if I was to sit up here and tell you, oh, I put myself last, that's not true. My wife could tell you that's not true. Okay, I don't just put myself last every single day and every moment. But the goal is for us to do that. We should be conscious. We should be trying and praying, asking God to help us do that. But if we live in that order of putting Jesus first, putting others second, and consciously trying to make sure that we are last, that we are living as sacrifices, it gives us the opportunity to be transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. It brings about transformation. And you can't be transformed under your own power. We have to remember that. Like, we cannot escape the bondage of sin. We cannot become great witnesses of Jesus. You cannot become great preachers or, or people who give testimony or people who are just witnessing and, and bringing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. You can't do that under your own power. That is a gift that comes from God. And so as we live for God... All those things, he transforms us under his power. And the equation of Jesus first and others second and yourself last is the equation that adds up to transformation in our lives. And if you're listening to this this morning, we're talking about faith. You have to have faith to do that. Because it's not natural to put yourself last. It goes against every fabric of instinct in your life to put yourself last. It may come a little more natural with your kids or maybe with your spouse, or, you know, certain people. But when you start talking about the people of the world, that person out on the road who cuts you off or that coworker who just drives you insane or whatever, it's not natural for you to put yourself last. But if you can do that... To make that decision, God, help me to put myself last. Help me to be conscious of this, to be a conscious witness of you every single day in every aspect, every situation, every circumstance. It is transforming because God wants people like that. God wants to use people like that. There's no reason for God not to want to use someone like that. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith to be willing to even try it. You know, I told you a few weeks ago, you know, the study that was done at Harvard and, and the professors, Tyler Vanderweel, and he was talking about just the simple act of taking children to church once a week led to a more positive and greater life satisfaction as the children went into adulthood. Just going to church. It doesn't mean that they were saved. It doesn't mean... That anything, but, but what you need to understand this morning is, is if Jesus comes first in our life, it creates the atmosphere for you to experience more joy in life than anything else will bring you. 
If you put Jesus first, you put others second, and you are consciously trying to put yourself last, you may think, well, I'm never going to be happy. I'm not going to get to accomplish my dreams. I'm not going to get to do this. I'm not going to get to do all that stuff. And any adult person in here can tell you there were a lot of things in life that I didn't accomplish and that I wanted to accomplish. And then you look back on me and realize it really wasn't that important anyway. There's so many things in life that I was like really struggled with giving up going into ministry that I wanted to do or accomplish, but to go into ministry. And, and I look back at them now and I don't just say this because I'm a pastor up here and this is what I get paid to do. Like, no, I'm like dead serious. There's so many things I look back on and realize that stuff wasn't that important. I thought it was. It was great at the time. It made me happy when I was doing it. But what I'm doing now, serving Jesus, living for him, I sleep at night. I don't feel guilty. I'm happy. I have more joy in my life following Christ than what I did doing anything else in my life. And that's a gift that can't be matched. The world is looking for joy. In Romans 12, verse 1, this was our focus scripture we read earlier. I'll read it again. We're going to read verse 2 with it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And guys, when we surrender to God's will and his plan and his calling on our life, it will transform us. Like you're sitting here this morning and many of us are questioning like, okay, like I believe in Jesus. I think it's good to, to help other people out. But then you really start thinking about what it means to put yourself last in all situations, circumstances, and even to allow people to take advantage of you. That's a different calling. And you're sitting here questioning, you're just like, okay, this just doesn't seem right. I'm not sure I'm ready to do this. And no, as a human being underneath your own power, you are not ready to do that. You are not capable of doing that. And you're not capable of living a life of longevity of doing that underneath your own power. But if Jesus is the reason why you exist and you're living for him, and you're allowing him to fill you with his spirit, and strengthen you, and empower you, you can do this. And it doesn't just transform you as a person, as what other people see, or even what you do, but it transforms the way that you think. And so as a human being, there are things that you're thinking about right now, that you're like, I can't do that, I can't rationalize why that makes sense in my mind. And the truth is, it's not supposed to be rationalized. It's not supposed to make sense. Paul talked about it over and over and over again. It sounds like foolishness to the world. So if you're sitting here and you think, like, this sounds like foolishness, yeah, it's supposed to. But if you step out on faith and you live for God and you do the things that God's calling you to do, it doesn't just transform your actions or your relationships. It transforms the way that you think and it opens your eyes and you see things that you never saw before. You understand things that you never understood before and it will make you into a new creation. That's the power of God. That's what most people are missing. That's the bridge that's not connected between initial faith and really becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Because a lot of people want forgiveness of sin, but they don't want to follow. But in order to truly be with Christ, you've got to follow. You've got to pick up your cross. You've got to put yourself to death. You've got to step out on faith to do that because it's not going to make sense. You're not going to be able to rationalize it in your mind that this makes sense and this is good for me. But when you do it and you step out on faith, you quickly see this is the greatest thing I ever did. And if you're a Christian and you can't say amen to that, you, you, need, you need to check up. It should be the greatest thing that you ever did. Greatest decision that you ever made. And you should be able to see that and understand that in your life. That no matter how much you give yourself away, to know that through Christ you're gaining infinitely more than anyone else could ever understand. Because it's not about what's surrounding you that other people can see. It's about what's in here that matters the most. It's about what God provides for you in your heart. And also what he's going to provide for you in eternity. And when you think about God's plan, his will for your life, it is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. You know, a lot of times we think, well, God just wants us to do this. Sacrifice means suffer. It's like, yes, there may be suffering for a little while, but the joy and the pleasure and the goodness and the perfectness of his will is far lasting than anything else that you're trying to get your joy and happiness from right now. It is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And when we step out on faith and we do things the way that God wants us to do, it transforms us. It is a lifelong journey. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're on a lifelong journey. And you could be exactly where you are supposed to be today. But tomorrow, God may have somewhere else he wants you to go. Something else he wants you to do. Something else he wants you to give up. And as a believer, when you open your eyes tomorrow morning, you need to have the understanding of, God, what are we doing today? How are we growing today? Who am I giving myself away to today? To have that conscious attitude of, Jesus, you are the reason I live. I'm going to put others before myself. And I'm going to purposefully make sure that I'm last not because it's the cool thing to do, but because it's what you've called me to do. And it's not comfortable, and it's not easy, and you're not necessarily always going to feel rewarded for it, but it is exactly what Christ has called us to do. So I ask you this morning, when you think about joy, you think about your life, and you think about right now in this moment, how much joy do you actually have? Is it one of those things that like, you know, I'm happy right now, things are going good. Or is it one of those things, life really stinks right now, and I'm absolutely full of joy. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're just like, I'm miserable. Like I put on a smiling face, the kids were cute, it was funny, glad I got a smile out of it, but my life stinks right now. And the truth is, is that when you start talking about joy, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get that in this world through things or people, situations, circumstances. Not going to get it. You might experience temporary happiness, but true joy comes from the Lord. And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, I wish I was more, ha I wish I was more joyful. I wish I was full of joy. That comes from Jesus. The question is, are you willing to follow him, submit yourself to him, 
and call on Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit to receive that joy in your life. Because serving Him is what brings it. You don't get it by seeking it out through things in the world. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you again for this day. Jesus, I ask that you would be with the men and women and the children who are here. God, I pray that you would be with them in their lives. I know that in the everyday hustle and bustle of life, not only during Christmas, but all throughout the year, there are so many things that Satan can use to try to steal our joy from us. But God, I pray that in those moments where we feel like the life is just being sucked out of us, that we would remind ourselves that you are our God. That although we may not understand it, that although we may not can explain it, to know that we have a Savior who loved us enough to die for us. And you are worth giving our hearts and lives to. You are worth serving other people for. And you are worth putting ourselves last for. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. And we ask that you go with us as we leave this place. In your name we pray. Amen.